Welcome fellow pilots and other podcast listeners to another episode of the Alaska Pilots Podcast. I'm your host, Strategic Communications Chairman, Captain David Campbell. Today, I brought into the studio your MEC Chairman, Captain Will McQuillan, Negotiating Chairman, First Officer Chris Gruner, MEC Treasurer Scott Mokas, and MEC Secretary, Captain Garen Tenchard. Well, I'd like to thank everyone for joining this episode. And as you might imagine, we're here to talk largely about the COVID-19 or coronavirus and how that's affecting our industry and you in particular as, as pilots. The, I know that it's a stressful time. You're seeing a lot of changes with school closures and government mandates about large groups not gathering, about potential bans and flying, and it it's, creates a lot of anxiety, and that's normal and expected. Uh, one of the reasons that I wanted to have this podcast today was to talk a little bit about the uh, getting some perspective, kind of the 30,000-foot view of events like this, and talk about what our association is doing to help with the situation as, as much as we can, one of which is an MOU that has recently been signed, and we'll talk about that more later in the episode, uh, and some of the other committees that have been stood up to help. In the meantime, Will, why don't you talk about that perspective a little bit? Yeah, thanks, David. I think uh, in terms of trying to put all this into perspective, uh, it's important to remember that regardless of how dire things seem and what we're hearing in the media or what we're seeing on message boards, uh, the industry's been here before. You know, we've seen this before. We've seen shocks to our system. And, uh, you know, unless we genuinely believe that people are somehow never going to travel by air again, we will also emerge from this shock, too. Uh, the key is to kind of put some of this into perspective. Um, everybody here in the, the room has been affected by one of these shocks in one way or the other. You know, obviously, personally, for me, uh, 9-11, also the downturn in 08. Uh, Garen's here, and I'm sure Garen can offer a little perspective on what he's seen in his tenure here as well. Yeah, thanks, Will. I, I completely agree with what you're saying, and it's important to kind of keep in perspective all the things. And it's the unknowns and the uncertainty that causes the fear and the and then maybe the even eventual irrational thought and generates a lot of questions, which is, you know, part of the reason we're all here is to answer those questions or get them answered to your satisfaction and to make sure that, uh, that you guys are taken care of, both in terms of protecting yourselves, protecting your families and protecting you while you're on the job specifically. Will, on your end, I know you're dealing with the company on a pretty direct and regular basis now in a way that maybe you weren't a week or two ago. What's what's that been like? We're not navigating any of this alone. You know, we're in regular, nearly daily briefings uh, with not just the Alaska management, but also with our economic finance and analysis support team back uh, in Washington, D.C., and uh, of course, I've got a great team here in the office that has been just phenomenal in terms of supporting the response on this. Part of that team is the new COVID task group that's been stood up. Scott, can you explain a little bit more about what that is? Uh, yes, we recently uh, set up a task group called the COVID-19 task group, and that consists of subject matter experts from the Aeromedical Safety and Security Committees. And what, what does that do for the pilots exactly? Well, currently our role is to provide some support to our pilots in the MEC. Uh, we're informing them and advising the facts that they're currently being put out by the government and uh, other medical sites. It is strictly fact and science-based. We're not trying to make things up. And um, it's just, we are just delivering information that exists out there. We're pilots, we're not doctors. 
we're doing the best we can to come up with information so that uh, we can see the big picture here in the MEC office. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a really good thing to stress. There is a lot of information that's out there in a lot of sources. Some of it's good, some of it not so good. It's important not to get caught up in the hype and or in the rumors. So what would you say is the best place for people to go to get information at this point? Uh, currently, information is changing so fast that the uh, best place right now for pilots is to go to the uh, alpa.org website and go to the coronavirus 19 subsite. It's a tab that's available on the main page, easy to get to. It's on the front of the firewall, so you do not have to sign in. Uh, that information is updated on a daily basis and provides links to all the government sites, such as the CDC and the World Health Organization. Yeah, and if you have the Alpa app on your phone, um, that's also a good source. It pops up right on the on the top when you open up the app. So same information, just a, a different way yes, to get Yes, absolutely. There. Good. That's a good place for it. Okay, thanks, Scott. Garen, you've been involved in standing up this committee as well. In in your recent time here, what have you noticed about the team building here and any observations about what's been happening recently? Well, first of all, I'm kind of uh, happy to be here. I'm impressed with the whole group and the, and the organization and the work ethic, as well as the, uh, the, the desire to basically take care of the pilots in all aspects through this and through everything that uh, the pilots are involved with. Um, it, like Will said, it's important to keep perspective on all this. And we've been through this to some extent in different times, and there seems to be a lot of hysteria out there, uh, most of it probably with good intentions to kind of curb the spread of that virus. And so um, I would just say, while you're out there, you're gonna, there's gonna be times where you need questions answered. And uh, part of our role is to basically take care of you guys and gals and make sure that your questions are not only answered, but you're protected on the job you're protected in any way, shape, or form if uh, if you are in contact with this virus and, uh, and your family as well. So it's important to also take care of each other while you're out there. If you see somebody that's a little bit uh, impaired or compromised by this or, or maybe is not rationally thinking about it, and, and, uh, then, you know, reach out, take care of those folks uh, and, and make sure that, you know, we kind of stay this part of this team concept. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, I mean, we, we are – I carry that crew mentality throughout your daily life. And one of the ways I think that, you know, you mentioned if, if you see someone who's struggling with anything, we've got a great resource here called the Pilot Peer Support Program. And that's a, it's a relatively new program, but I'd like to kind of recommend it right now um, because it's staffed 24 seven by live pilots. So you call that number and you will talk to a person, um, maybe not right away, but it just that phone tree goes along until you're actually talking with someone, tell them what's going on and they will connect you with the right resources that Alpha has. And we can talk more about that later, but there's, there's several of them and uh, it's a great program. The number for pilot peer support is 309-PPS-ALPA or 309-777-2572. You bring up a good point, David. There's a lot of resources out there. There's resources in this room. There's resources in the MEC. Uh, reach out, use those resources as you need to. Everybody's kind of pulling on the same rope here, trying to kind of make it uh, um, better for what's going on out there. 
Yep, and that comes right back to what is it that is our focus and what are we trying to do? And that really is to protect your interests as a pilot group as we navigate the uh, the COVID-19 outbreak. And I think probably the best way to, best example by that is what we've just accomplished in the form of our uh, our MOU that helps establish ground rules and protections for our, for our crews. So let's talk about that MOU and bring in Chris Gruner, who was instrumental in negotiating it. But before we do, Will, would you talk about the overall goals of this? As I said, one of our key focuses is obviously on the needs of the Alaska pilots as they navigate the uh, the virus threat. And we started by looking at the uncertainties that we knew people had in terms of coming to work and what the ground rules were and what the protections were for them when they were at work while this virus threat is out there. So I, working with uh, Chris Gruner, I kind of let Chris describe uh, first, I guess, high level what it was that we were trying to achieve in an MOU, and then we can get more into the details if that works for you, Chris. Yeah, that does sound good. Um, you know, big picture with this is just like Will said, we're trying to provide a, some certainty to pilots as far as what protections they have when they're uh, you know, out flying airplanes and keeping this company running. So some of the big things that we addressed in this MOU is, uh, first of all, what does happen, right? If you go into quarantine or you end up uh, having to self-monitor or, you know, worst case, you get a diagnosis of uh, COVID-19. Also, we're in a unique situation right now where the company is strategically canceling flights due to low load factors, so just for economic reasons. So in those specific flights, we wanted to make sure that uh, we had some protections for pilots so they weren't required to um, be available for multiple days or come to the airport maybe if uh, they didn't need to. So have scheduling give them a uh, flight ahead of time uh, at notification or release them at that time. Yeah, we're trying not to have people become these super reserve pilots Right. Under, under existing cancellation makeup, there's a scenario in which they would potentially be, you know, contactable for multiple days. And we don't want to turn bid block holders into de facto reserves. Yeah. And especially in this particular situation, you know, you're looking at uh, not having these flights to cover down line. And we're just trying to also minimize the risk to pilots if they're in a place, maybe, uh, you know, they're commuters or something where uh, they're not as exposed to the virus instead of placing them in a situation uh, or areas that have heavier exposure uh, and it doesn't necessarily have a benefit or uh, anything that is uh, being accomplished on behalf of the company. Okay. Well, that's a good overview. Uh, Chris, you want to just kind of step us through the, the MOU and what it contains. And for those of you listening, I've put the MOU itself in the show notes of the podcast. So if you want to follow along, you should be able to click that link and open that up on your phone or whatever device you're listening to. Yeah. So um, as we go through this, as always, if you have questions about these things, um, go ahead and reach out to your LEC reps. You know, we've briefed them on this as well, and they'll be uh, giving feedback to us as uh, we go through this process. And then on the scheduling section, reach out to your scheduling reps. Uh, they're going to be working closely with the uh, company schedulers to make sure that, uh, you know, we, we're moving forward together on this. So uh, first of all, when we look at non-essential training, we've made that uh, optional. So if it's not something that's required to stay current or, um, 
you know, stay qualified in, in what we're doing for the aircraft, uh, you won't be required to go. So, Chris, are you like OS twenty twenty, for example? Oh, that's correct. So that's a, a good example. Yeah, exactly. But recurrent is not. So recurrent training is obviously required training. All right. The next thing here is uh, rather important. So if you're a high risk individual as defined by the CDC, then you will be granted unpaid personal leave if you request it. However, there's some additional benefits that we were able to negotiate. So one of the uh, really important ones is uh, longevity. So you'll continue to accrue longevity while you're on this leave in addition to the seniority that we have in our current contractual provisions. Additionally, um, you will also have access to our current health care at active pilot rates. So you're still only paying 20% of the group rates um, as you're on this leave. Yeah, that, that part's huge. Mm-hmm. That was something as opposed to a COBRA rate or anything else along those lines. That, that was a big get. Yeah, and if anyone knows about COBRA, that's it's quite a big jump. Right, and also during that time, um, your dependents will continue to maintain travel privileges. Obviously, you're not going to be flying at that time, so uh, you will have yours revoked while you're on quarantine. All right, um, so that's the general section. Now we move into kind of, you know, so what does happen, right, if you, you get exposed uh, to this virus? So uh, first of all, if you are um, diagnosed with COVID-19, you will be pay protected. So all your trips will drop during the time you're uh, under medical care, recovering, the company will, will pick up that pay. Secondly, now if you're quarantined due to exposure while you're at work, exact same thing, you're gonna be pay protected. So the one instance where you may not be pay protected is if you end up being exposed while you're away from work. So for example, the CDC calls you and said, hey, there was somebody at your church or at a concert you were at that was had the virus and you, know, you need to go into uh, self-monitoring or something along those lines. Then you would not receive pay protection, but you can use your normal sick leave, obviously, uh, in order to cover sick that leave, one instance. Sick leave, disability, oh yeah, yeah correct. standard benefit package. Yeah, normal stuff. All right. Additionally, if you end up being on uh, quarantine or if you are uh, diagnosed and it's a significant absence, um, you're not going to be bidding subsequent months. But what you do get is uh, the company will assign you extra sick leave of the average line value for that month, and then they'll cash it out at the end of the month to pay you. So what that ends up doing is uh, giving you a paycheck when you look at how this is actually implemented in the amount of the average line value for the month. And then you will um, then continue to be able to accrue benefits and uh, keep your insurance and things along those lines, uh, medical, all the normal benefits of being an active pilot. So to be clear, your, your sick leave bank will not be touched. Will not be touched and you will continue to accrue. Correct. And I think that uh, some of those questions like, well, we've been asked uh, in formulating this, well, what's the average line value? How, what visibility would the pilots have on that? Or how do we know what the average line value is that they're protected to? Yeah, well, that's something we looked at carefully as well. So um, Scott Rubin, our scheduling committee chairman, was part of the negotiations here and um, it was, that's a piece that he has high visibility on. So it's something that's out there in the open and he's going to be able to, Correct. it's uh, not monitor. a company derived Correct. value that we can't back engineer. Correct. Absolutely. Yep. 
Okay, so just to reiterate again, I'll say it one more time, but basically if you are diagnosed, you are pay protected. If you are quarantined or monitoring due to exposure, uh, due to your uh, occupation or due to an occupational uh, event, then you are also pay protected. If you are exposed away from work and um, then you will just be using your normal sick leave, you know, unless at some point you receive a diagnosis. What is meant exactly by a work-related event? I think it's it's simple to kind of think of it in these terms is that is your exposure related to something that you were doing for work? If it was not something you were doing for work, then it would not apply. And I realize that covers a lot of things that we all do in the service of pilots as pilots to Alaska Airlines. And probably the best way is if you have a question along those lines, just call your rep. We've, we've talked about this extensively with them. So Chris, what happens if I'm on a layover and I get quarantined? Yeah, so if you uh, refer to paragraph C on the MOU, um, then it's going to tell you that all the provisions of paragraph B that we just discussed will apply. And then we have additional okay. uh, things here that we negotiated. So. Uh, the first one here is that the company will coordinate to supply the pilot with food, appropriate health care, and other essential items or services. So, you know, I probably foresee that it'll be fairly difficult logistically potentially, and so you'll have uh, help and aid there to get you through that. Additionally, a company will provide advanced funds if you need it. And uh, also, pilot will be reimbursed for all out-of-pocket expenses over the uh, per diem that you're already getting that are related to the quarantine or the monitoring. Um, another thing that's a, a important provision here is that, you know, you may be stuck in a hotel room, you know, you need a doctor to check up on you occasionally. So the company's going to provide a qualified medical professional to uh, do health care or house calls rather, and that'll be at no expense to the pilot. Um, additionally, the company will take care of other logistics such as notifying the pilot's family, the MEC chairman, They'll be providing positive space for the pilot's family and also for the pilot when they're well enough to travel and then uh, bring them back to either their domicile or their home or record. Um, and then finally, you know, in worst case scenario, you end up getting quarantined in another country. Well, at that point, uh, the company's going to make sure that you're receiving the appropriate care and then that you get returned to the United States as soon as you're medically cleared to fly. And that includes a medical evacuation um, on an aircraft that's not necessarily ticketed or scheduled uh, air travel. Another important part of the MOU is the definition. So the strategic cancellation, what are we talking about there exactly? Yeah, oh, go ahead, Will. Uh, I, yeah. Well, the company's identified in several conversations that they intend to meet on a regular basis to evaluate the schedule and look for opportunities to consolidate flights, um, that are you know low load factors um, and strategically pre-cancel certain legs as well as uh, you know certain uh, you know entire flight sequences um, that are underperforming, and uh, we needed language to kind of protect everybody around that. Uh, we we kind of felt that our standard cancellation makeup provisions uh, could stand to be improved in in protecting crews because this will be more widespread. Chris, what does that entail, and how does that affect the pilot? Yeah, so it like. Will alluded to there, it is a specific only to cancellations that are related to these uh, economic uh, coaling, if you will, of the aircraft. So first of all, that 
cancellation will be annotated on your schedule. So you'll see if this language applies. And if you're away from base, so you're on a flight or a flight that is canceled that's not leaving your domicile, then the normal 25V provisions in the contract will apply with one exception. And that exception is, is that if the flight cancellation, maybe it's that last leg of your trip, then subsequently prevents you from getting back within the time of the original trip plus five hours, then you'll get a premium of 150% for the entire trip. Now, if you are in your domicile and a uh, trip is canceled that it departs that your domicile, then we have a, a different set of steps here. So in that case, uh, first of all, scheduling will attempt to notify you as soon as possible. Um, if they are able to get a hold of you at that point, they will either give you a trip or they will release you at that moment. If they release you, there's no further obligation on the pilot. They're gonna be pay protected for that trip. Now, if they are unable to contact that pilot before he reports for duty, then he needs to be contactable from his report time until four hours after the report time. Then at that point, he either has a trip again or he's fully released from duty. No further obligation on the part of the pilot. So I think an important carryaway from that is that even though you may be non-contactable on days off uh, and certainly uh, before you report, you may want to check your schedule in order to prevent yourself from reporting and then subsequently having that, that four-hour period. Yeah, additionally, one other important provision that's uh need to point out here is that let's say one of these strategic cancellation impacts your scheduled pairing and now you have to remain overnight in base and you weren't otherwise scheduled to do so, then the company will provide a hotel uh, for that RON in your domicile. Yeah, and that was a huge piece because those cancellations, obviously uh, sending somebody back to a crash pad or requiring somebody to come out of pocket to buy a, a hotel in base when they're a commuter was just n not palatable and the company appreciated that point of view. And is this new language to the contract? So this doesn't replace anything in our contract. It's just extra for certain circumstances. And uh, right now it's implemented immediately. Uh, well, except for the scheduling section, they'll start uh, implementing that on Monday. Uh, that is March 16th. And, uh, uh, and so that gives the schedulers time to you know uh, train and be ready to implement this correctly. So how long does it last? It'll extend for 30 days from uh, right now, uh, as we're talking right now, March 13th. Uh, we'll review it at that time and see if there's any necessary changes, cancellations, or extensions. And it will automatically renew for another 30 days as we go through this until somebody gives a intent to uh, terminate the MOU. Well, thanks for walking us through this. Yep. I hope that helps. I mean, the high-level perspective, of course, is to give people the comfort that if they have additional risk for reporting that they're going to be pay protected, they'll be covered, and that as the company kind of is uh, actively massaging its its business model and doing things with canceled flights that uh, the pilots will be protected along those lines as well. And there'll be an ongoing continuing dialogue as well. That's why the 30-day sunset date is kind of put in there that uh, allows us to continue process improvement as the you know as we test this MOU. Thanks guys for coming in here. And Will, before we close, any final thoughts? As we navigate uh, this response to the virus, that you know, I know there's a lot of questions and a lot of um, anxiety, but we're going to commit to only report to you what we know to be consistent and established facts. Um, 
in other words, you know, we're not going to react to rumors. Uh, what we tell you is 100% what we know to be true at the time. Uh, and that was certainly true for the chairman's message that went out this last week. Um, I recognize that there's still a lot of everybody wondering how much of what we know today will be true tomorrow. But you can be assured that by the time we report to you that, that we've done enough fact checking to make sure that what we're telling you is exactly what we know and believe to be true at the time. And, you know, obviously it's been said a few times on this podcast, but our interests and all the efforts that are um, underway here in this office are purely to protect this pilot group and to protect your interests. Uh, And that will be our focus as we go forward and invite everybody to please, more than anything, it was said, I think, uh, Garen, but certainly all of us said it, take care of each other, uh, focus on yourself, your crew and your passengers and just remember that you know no matter what we're all in this together we're one pilot group we look out for each other and uh you know this too like all other industry shocks it too will pass thanks will yeah it's good to keep in mind during these times and again if you feel like you could use a little extra support want to talk to someone you've obviously got your block rep and also the pilot peer support program we mentioned earlier in the episode and one final time that phone number is 309 PPS Alpa or 309-777-2572. Yeah, and I think the only other thing that I'll add before you, you wrap up there, David, is that I understand, I remember uh, as post 9-11, how the frequency of updates from the union were super important to um, to us as a pilot group and to me as a pilot at the time. And I think that in terms of this podcast, you may see that shift a little bit where we try to do smaller, more frequent updates that are focused on what we know, as I said, the facts at the time, and and hopefully provide some clear guidance to the pilots. And as always, stay up on your emails. That's right. And uh, if you haven't yet, please uh, join TextCaster and get uh, more timely information that way as well. Well, I want to thank you all for listening today. I'm your host, Strategic Communications Chairman, Captain David Campbell. 